0: Hey everybody, and welcome back for another episode of The Overlay, a poker podcast brought to you by CCG Poker, the number one charity poker location in the Midwest, slash the United States, slash the planet Earth, and the solar system, possibly the galaxy, and other unknown galaxies. I can't imagine a better charity poker organization, even in a different galaxy that are playing, right, Brando? I agree. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, hey everybody, it's Ken here, with me brandon yeah your you, co-host yeah very very cool uh is there anything like very, a step below cool. is there anything like a step below a co-host like a, yeah, the
1: assistant to the co-host yeah
0: you're like the assistant to the host <laughs> <laughs> assistant <laughs> to the co-host um gosh my computer's binging okay that, yeah a lot of ding, a lot of dinging uh, lots of dinging there. done okay dungs dings are dong D- dongs are done Hey everybody, Ken here, Overlay Podcast, where we talk about all things that happen on Ken's computer. Um, What are we going to talk about today, Brandon? I'm going to dive right in, because I don't have anything good to talk about. Oh, I have a few. Uh, I thought
1: we were going to talk about you not being able to get into your security. uh, No, no, that's fine.
0: We have a new security system here at CCG, and I was unable to get into the, uh, to turn the alarm off. And then they told me that my code was wrong, and I was like, "I, I promise you it's not, this is me. They're like, well, we're gonna have to send the police. I was like, cool, I'm on the lease. Do whatever you gotta do. <laughs> I bluffed just they, so you know, they took for it.
1: For the record, I'm like anti two-way two-factor authentication.
0: Me too. It's a pain in the ass and it takes a long time. But go ahead.
1: That's it. That's those, oh, that sums up everything I'm gonna I say. Thought, I thought you
0: had like a re like a butt. There was that one time I got hacked. Not none, none no, of that happened. No, I,
1: like if you're gonna get hacked, you can you're like the two-way. Like I hate when I'm on my phone and I try to log into, like, say, a YouTube TV for a new TV, and then it's like, oh well, text my phone, or you text my phone, or you tell me to go to my YouTube app, which is obviously already signed in on my phone. So I click YouTube and then click accept. Like, I could have done that if I was trying to hack in. Yeah, I get it. It would be from somebody else that like wasn't on my phone that would be hacking in from somewhere else. Right. It just seems like such a waste. It seems like a and then like authenticator apps where you have to like type in the Google Authenticator on your
0: phone. And if my phone has been stolen physically or hacked into, like, wouldn't they be able to get all of that information? It's like an emergency exit door on an airplane. What good is that really going to do me? I got to open the door at 30,000 feet. It's like, oh, use this Google to a uh, authenticator. As long as you have and control of your like, phone and you don't lose it and it's not open and the guy beat the shit out of me and then put my phone in front of my face to steal my face on top of it like what's going to happen
1: for sure and that's what it's like using my gmail e- like email and password to log in and then it two-way authenticates it by like making me just using another version of the google where if i had that username and password i could just log into that too and then verify it it's like if you got my shit you got my shit like you can't two-way authenticated doesn't really, this anything.
0: is uh hey to bring this back around to poker this is exactly how i feel when i call with king high flush draws like if they got it they got it i don't care i lose two-way factor here is not going to help me in any way shape or form i a am not good enough to fold the king high flush the second nuts and b i just don't really care you got it you got it you get my money that's it yeah. i'm hoping you're yeah. you're stone cold bluffing with uh you blocker. know, like the nut blocker, and you think I'm good enough to fold? Well, the joke's on you, pal. I am not good enough to fold. <laughs> uh, right, right. The mistake is you think you think that. I'm good enough. I'm not. Right. You.
1: Th- oh well, if he's got the king of the queen, I flush. He'll certainly fold to a pot size, but nope. pot call.
0: Nope. Oh. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Not true, sir. Not true. Anyways, um, let's do... So that's the end of my two-way rant. Yeah, no, it's your bad beat story. It's sometimes bad beat stories don't include poker, but that that's a bad beat story. I gotcha. I hate that stuff, too. It took me forever to get into there, and then finally I was like, uh, ADT just opened up. Like They were like, cool, you've tried th- for this t- an hour, so we figure you're good enough to uh, just take care of it, so... Anyways, back to poker and the question at hand today, Brando. We are going to talk about bum, 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 the big blind modified rule that was played at the Run Good series out in California. Where was it? Where was Tunica? That? It was a horseshoe, a I don't know. It was a Run Good event. Um, yeah, a run good series, which is event. like a like a like a regional, but they just don't do any events here in the Midwest. Um, similar to like an MS, like MSPT, MSPT early for days the Midwest poker was, players. Yeah, they're kind of like early
1: a, days when it was just literally like Illinois, Iowa, Michigan. They're like a Minnesota. second tier.
0: They're like a second tier tour, meaning there's like your top tier tours, you know, uh, WSOP, WPT. Uh, really, that's it. And then you get like your first tier tour or second tier tours. You got like the old school HPTs, the MSPT Run Good series. Um, there's another. There was a group out in Texas that was doing something called like the. I don't know. They fell by the wayside as well. But there was like a Texas group that was like doing events and like, you know, they run like little mini circuit events and they're awesome. And don't get me wrong. Run Good's really cool. I think they do a lot of innovative stuff. And that's partly what we're going to talk about today. They got some really cool clothes. I think they started as a clothing company run by poker players and then just kind of started doing events as well, which as somebody who's in the event world, I kind of dig it. I think it's super cool and it makes sense. But... In their latest uh, Run Good Series tournaments, the whole series, they implemented a rule about the, I think they just called it the Big Blind Rule? Big Blind Protection, BBP. 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 Sounds like a Star Wars android. Um, Tell us what the BBP is, Brando. Big Blind Protection. Uh, Do you remember? BBP,
1: I do remember. It is when they're breaking a table in tournaments. Uh-huh. they take the person that paid the big blind and the small blind and the person who would have had the button this next hand, Correct. if it wasn't for them moving you and they move you and they make sure that you do not go back into the blinds. Correct. And if you do go and you, they place you to a seat that's under the gun or in the big blind, they make you sit out until after the button.
0: Okay. I, I don't remember that last part, but that seems to be uh pretty good.
1: That's how, like, they don't, like, it's not like they sit and they, like, choose seats. It's like, oh, this seat's okay. Like, they just still move you to a random seat. However, Correct. if it, you are in the big blind, the next hand, if you were to get moved right, right into the big blind or into under the gun, they let you sit out until after the button.
0: So the line in the sand was under the gun plus one, meaning if you got yeah. two free hands, then that was fine. It's just Suffice one free enough. hand. Correct. So it's under the gun plus one was the line. Meaning, and and I read somewhere that they they implemented this by giving everybody who was, uh, like you said, who had just paid the big blind, the small blind, and the current button. If those people were moving, uh, maybe not the button. Get
1: no, it? I think it's just one person,
0: and it was just whoever just paid the big blind,
1: the big blind and the small blind. You had to pay both blinds to get the protection. I just briefed up on this. I looked it up. Okay, yeah, because
0: this is starting to make sense. Because when uh, Alan Kessler was the gentleman that that made this made me aware of this on Twitter and I was was following him on Twitter. I love his tweets. Alan, we're still trying to reach out to you to be on the show. Hopefully you will take me up on that uh, request. Um, He'll
1: be in Chicagoland again. I'm going to hit him up.
0: I'm going to keep hitting him up like a stalker until he either files paperwork or is on the show. So good luck, sir. (laughs) Um, We've also played many mixed game tournaments together and he has no idea that me and the guy with the great hair and also the great voice is uh, the same on the podcast. Anyways, um, I had saw it on him and he had just kind of made it very simple where it was the idea of this big blind protection was when a a table breaks, if you were the big blind, didn't kind of really talk about small blind or button or anything else. It just said if you had just paid the big blind that you got like a red rack. Or a blue rack. Some kind of different colored some rack. different rack. Yeah, let's just say a blue rack. You got a blue rack and the tournament director would give you that rack, indicating that you had just paid the big blind, which means when you move to your new table, if you moved into the big blind, you, I guess at that point, something would happen. Now, they didn't really talk about it. They were like, oh, you wouldn't move into the big blind. But you're right. It's still random seating. Theoretically, you could be put into it. But again, I think what you found out later is that the way that the protection rule worked is that player would occupy that big blind seat but they wouldn't actually pay the big blind they wouldn't get any hands until the button passed them in which case they would sit down and then they would play so they're kind of getting a free pass to actually dodge the big blind right
1: so i did miss i did misspeak it's only if you move into the under the gun spot it's that's that's good enough so it's just not straight into the blinds okay so really you would want to be placed into the big blind and then get to sit out and then you start
0: Correct. on the button. Because if you went to under the gun and you were the big blind next hand, theoretically you're, you're fucked. But now it's only this the big is blind. Where
1: the rule breaks down, right? It does. This and this is, is, where... is
0: where everybody goes down because it's, and, and this is why I think ultimately the rule failed. And I would say pretty safely that at this point it has failed, they they are not doing it again. Uh, there's another run good series coming up to doing like a, 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 a a run good road trip, which again, as a poker marketer, I think it's a great name and it's a really cool concept. And I kind of dig it. And, um, all right. Super now, Are it. they
1: not continuing to do it because in the article that Liam initially wrote
0: also CCG original player, Liam, um, who's just gone wrote, crazy. I love him.
1: Yeah. He's, he's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, he's like, vlogging he wrote now. his awesome.
1: article that they were going to continue using it. Now I wonder if this was prior to them using it. And then this all failing, I think, like I'm thinking that maybe his article was like I think w- the article written September first and then the series was after that.
0: Yeah, I think the article was written and then as like oh we are going to be doing because the the article came out on Poker News and um trying to find it and talk at the same time. It seemed to me that like th- he had written the article as in like day 1a was firing and it was like they're going to implement this for the entire series I think the idea was they were going to do it for that tournament I think there was a lot of issues with it. I think they realized it didn't have the effect that they were hoping it would have, meaning the tournament directors, it did not give the players the effect and benefits that they were hoping to provide for them or make players feel better. Because as poker players do, we found another excuse to complain about, and it was just a level down. And I think that's ultimately it was like, well, if we're still going to have complaints and it just changes the bar of where the complaints come from, does
1: that really solve anything? No.
0: And it then it doesn't solve anything. We should go back to the original ways, and that the original means is just truly and totally randomization. Meaning you do not get to pick. You did nothing happens. Theoretically, you could go big blind, small blind, table breaks. You move directly into the big blind, pay big blind, small blind. You could be a 10 big blind stack, pay the big blind, play to small blind break a table, go to your new table, sit right in the big blind, pay the big blind, small blind, which means if you had 10 big blinds and you were playing a big blind anti-tournament, you are now down to like no blinds. You just paid five big blinds. You paid half of your stack. Granny got to see four hands. Like you didn't get anything for free. Like you got to see four hands. You chose to not do anything with them. I would have jammed on the first one. So I didn't have to worry about paying the other three, but that's just me. Um, The idea being is that Oh, we're trying to eliminate the fact that you don't go four hands in a row of playing blinds paying blinds due to the fact that a table breaks however it's perfectly fine to pay big blind small blind move under the gun get one free hand and then pay big blind small blind so then at that point it's like well great if I four play if I play four out of blinds. five it's fine it's just four out of four is not 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 cool, like no, it should be that one, and then the under the gun plus one guy goes, Well, hold on, that's not cool. What about me? Like, I should also be in on this as well. And then it's like under the gun plus three, and then next thing you know, the hijacks like, I also think this is a terrible idea for me to move into this position. I just paid big blinds about 40 minutes ago. Like, you know, I i think the biggest issue but that is that
1: is where the rule that I mean, that's just where it breaks down, right? It, it's that different people complain. Do the where do you draw the line? Band? And of what's fair and what's not the fair. Line that four out of four is not fair, but four out of five is fair. Correct. Seems like a dumb rule.
0: And again, like it also there's there's personal skewing of the rule. Meaning if if I just paid my small and big, like maybe I meander about and kind of do what a lot of poker players do and take a really long time to rack my chips and do other stuff so that I feel like i, I don't know some you know some players i feel like they try to slow down and dodge because they think they're going to dodge the big blind and get something free out of it or they don't have to pay the blinds but like the clock is running i would rather get as many hands in as possible and again yes do i remember tournaments that i've played in That are big tournaments that I wanted to play well in and were probably higher on my price point than I'm normally used to. I mean, I'm not talking about $120 deep stacks. I'm talking about $1,100, you know, regional tournaments or WSOP tournaments, you know, where they're $1,500 buy-ins where, yeah, I've gone that exact scenario, paid a big blind, paid a small blind didn't get to my button because they broke the table literally on my button, which sucks. I didn't get any of the benefit of just paying those blinds. And then I moved. And what do you know? I'm sitting down. Oh, sir, you're the a big blind. Good thing you're here. Great. Fuck. I wish I'd have taken to 30 more seconds. And then I would have gotten two free hands and the button and it would have been great, but no, I'm on the other side and now I got to pay my blinds. We all, we've all experienced that. But the thing that really only, you really only could like, Dodge the blinds if you're like nowhere. Correct, which nobody does, and again, it's all random. But here's my point: like we've all experienced that, right? Like everybody's had that nut low experience where you're like, "Shit, that really sucks." We've also all experienced the nut high, where you are under the gun, you're about to pay the big blind, you're a small stack, and what do you know? All right, this table's breaking. You're everybody, here's your button. new spots, yeah. and then you move to your new table, and you're like, right behind the button. You're like, boop, boom, boop Bitches, I just got two free rounds, and we're all happy. And nobody says anything. Nobody complains about that. Like, here's the flip side of the big blind protection rule: Do we give the big blind who just paid small blind, big blind, and missed their button, so they can't play four hands in a row without experiencing a button? I I get that. Maybe that's the line. But then on the flip side, does the other guy get a yellow rack that goes, okay, you can't move to behind the right? Like, what about the other side of the coin? Like, it's just. So like you said, it's when the rule breaks down and we start going at it in theory, big blind protection works great. In uh physical implementation, it's it's impossible. It's just it doesn't work. I agree. I wish it did, because it would be kind of fun. But
1: and it's also you gotta remember, it's also only that one player that played the big blind and the small blind. So somebody can pay the big blind, but not play the small blind. And go right into the big blind and pay the big blind again. Then the small blind. That that's three out of three, and they're saying that's okay. So three out of three is okay. Four out of five is okay, but four out of four is not okay. Correct. Like it seems like a dumb. Like there's way too many other. There's situations. a lot of things,
0: and like how do you like how do you and make there's moving parts and it's just. Yeah. Well, And again, like how does the tournament director know that that's exactly what happened and? I mean, when we're talking about one hand, I don't know, it just seems really hard to implement. And again, I kind of love the fact that poker is truly in the justice system. You know, Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, right? She doesn't see anything. And I kind of feel like table draws, that's what I want. I want it to be blind. Because you and I both know from playing in a lots of tournaments for all of these years that we've played in games, uh, and, and we've played a fair share of both Tournaments, home games, cash games, uh, big tournaments, little tournaments, you know, all kinds of all kinds of different stuff. Like, table draw really does matter. And you and I and Haze have talked about this before about the World Series where it's like, uh, you know, and sometimes uh, but with that mystery bounty, I was cruising. I had like 180K and I sit down and Liam, who's funny, we, we were talking about this because of the article that Liam wrote about in Poker News. Um, he came up to me because he was reporting for Poker News. And... Which is super cool because the only chance I'm ever getting into Poker News is by knowing the reporter, which I do. It's Liam. He's been playing at CCG since he was like 18. Um, And he literally hung around to see if I could like double up. And he's like, oh, man, your table's stacked. I didn't know a single person there. I have the beautiful ignorance is bliss. I didn't know a single person at my table. And he's like, oh, that guy's a three bracelet winner. That guy's got two rings. That guy's got over 4 million in cashes. That guy's a huge cash game player. And I'm just like, fuck, Liam. I don't need to know any of this stuff. <laughs> I'd have been happy having no idea who was playing and just continually down my game. But sometimes you find stuff out and it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, I would, I would almost uh, argue that there might be more variance in table draw than like anything else.
0: Absolutely. Especially
1: especially in really big tournaments or really small tournaments. Like something that's only like two tables. Uh, you can be at the good table to bad table and it just make all the difference. Or if there's, you know, if it's a WSDP main event. There's just the easiest tables in the room and there's super hard tables in the room. And like depending on where you pop up, sometimes you get good ones depend. and sometimes you get bad ones. And I mean sometimes you're at a good table and you're at a good table and you're gonna bag top 10% in chips and then there's the times you're at a bad table and you're out before dinner break and it's literally maybe because of the table draw and not even like the cards at the table. I think table draw is super underrated and completely random. That's why like, I mean, the, yeah, it is
0: random and, and I think that's way that's the way it needs to be. It's one of the truest things about poker is that it's, it's random. I know it doesn't feel I mean, random and sometimes it feels like live poker is rigged, but it's not. It's random. They're just cards. They fall how they fall. And you know, just because you got a one or two percent chance it, 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 sometimes the the long shots hit. And you know, I, I I think when we start trying to take poker, which is such a truly blind and, and random game, um, and then start making these things where like, well, if you're in a tournament and you're the big blind and you get screwed, you can't get screwed, but if you're the big blind, and you move to under the gun, that's fine to get screwed on like all it does is move the bar of who bitches about moving into a certain spot and how unfortunate it is that that time is when they had to move or, you know what I mean? Like it just causes more drama than it's actually worth. Yep. I agree. Are there any rules that you would change in poker that <laughs> obviously the big blind protection rule kind of failed. Good try run. Good. I think it it was uh, like we said, I think it was a good idea. It just didn't work out. Are there any rules in poker that you would change, either tournament directing wise or playing wise, or um, can you think of anything that sticks out to you that you would go, oh man, this is something like we need, as the poker as a community needs to address?
1: Um, Not on the spot. I mean, there's definitely been times I've been sitting there and been like, that's a dumb rule, but
0: not that you put me on the spot. Can you think know, of something good. that you thought this is a dumb rule? I mean, I'm I'm currently trying to think and talk. I mean, I can not... think of something. I was thinking of something today and um, it was during the 10,000 PLO event and when I lost, I I very well, the, it, it happened at CCG on Sunday night too. Somebody just yelled out, Kevin, I won't say the name of the person, Kevin. It, uh, I just want to make sure that they rename anonymous Kevin. Um, You know who I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, definitely Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin,
0: yeah. fucking Kevin. I love Kevin, but he's a pain. Uh, Kevin just yells out, "I I got the nut low," and just yelled it out. And then like everybody was like, starts mucking and folding and, and putting stuff down. Like they didn't even wait. And I was just like, "Well, hang on, you can't just yell I have the low without showing any cards." Or I mean, you can. You it, it totally worked because like two people had folded, and I was just like. I don't, I don't I don't think there's a low out there. Um and I won't even go into that situation cuz there was a low and he did have a low and he ended up scooping the low pot, but it didn't matter. I you know, it was it was a very random thing and I feel like that's something that poker players it's not a rule. Actually, it is a rule and it kind of goes the other direction, but I feel like players in general are nervous to show their cards. Um I wish poker players weren't so embarrassed to show their cards. I think for whatever knowledge that you're going to give up for other players seeing what cards you just played, in the long run, is not worth the money that you'll lose or the pots that you don't win that you should have won because you just didn't show your cards. I don't know if that's... Yeah. I guess that's not a rule. I just feel like that's like a a, a thing that I wish players would would do. Or think about uh,
1: what I mean, this is just more so maybe it's a a, dealer thing. Like, I wish the dealers were better about
0: pushing up the winning hand because like during the 10 K P law, the guy's just like, I have a straight. I was like, prove it. (laughs) Everybody looked at Alex Fox and looked at me. What was the other kid? Will Jaffe? Yeah, they both looked at me like what? And I was just like, "Ah, I just want to make sure he's got a straight. You can't just yell straight and expect me to think he got a straight. And he did have a straight. Um, and it was fine, but like, it wasn't apparent right away. And like, everybody kind of double did a double look and they were like, oh yeah. And we all did the standard poker player. You count on your fingers four, five, six, seven, eight. He's got it. Well, four those three are are the
1: exact number I was thinking. Yeah. yeah five, that's what he had. He had okay.
0: flopped. Like the flop was like King three, five. And he had like four, five, six, seven. Like he had four, five, six, seven. The flop was three, four. So he had flopped. What? Yeah you know like I'll basically correct, yeah. any card under a fucking eight. nine, yeah. <laughs> nine. <laughs> gave him a straight granted i had uh like ace king jack 10 double suited one of them was hearts and hearts flopped on the board so i was like fuck it this is where i'm getting in i flopped top pair top kicker with a nut flush draw like i'm ripping it um we're gonna see what happens and sure enough um i ended up thinking he had and I knew damn well just looking at his cards. He's either got two pair or a straight. Because like there's just too many little cards and middle cards for him to have it. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't even need to look that hard. I knew I w- I had lost In my mind. I was just thinking heart, 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 heart because I wanted a heart. But um, when the flop was like every card under eight, they were all low cards. Like obviously he he's. There's something in there that I can't beat with a pair of kings. With a pair of kings, right. But I made the dealer push up the winning hand. I was like, can you please push up the winning hand? Because I wanted it to be more official. And I guess maybe the point I'm trying to make is that I wish players would just know the rules. And, you know, if you don't, or you're, don't be nervous or don't be bullied into like not feeling comfortable at the table and like, I mean, don't be a dick. It's not like I was being a jerk. I was just said to the dealer, I'm like, can you please push up the winning hand? And like he finally did, and then I was able to to look at it. And even the dealer took a second. And again, the dealers are probably nervous about making a mistake as well. Um, which we all know happens. But he ends up putting it up and I see his five, six, you know, like the se- it, like turn was a yeah, seven he was and eight, five like six out of his hand. Correct. He had like four, six, for four, five, six, seven, eight. Like that's what he had. There was a four. Uh, there was a uh, a three, a five, whatever the fuck. I mean, he had a straight, so it was fine. But yeah, I got he had a straight. Yeah, the drunk. It was like a drunk guy in like a stupid visor. You know what I'm talking about? Like a fratty visor. But he I was know, like in his fifties. I was like, how yep. fucking lame are you? So, like, I really think I also called this guy or pop, be- like, repopped him because I, f- I was like aggravated by this stupid fucking visor and his drunken, like, oh, you don't have 1800? I don't drink anything but 1800. I was like, fuck off, dude. You're wearing a fucking visor. Like, come on. <laughs> and a fucking popped collar, polo. Like, seriously? Telling us all how much you drank today. What are you, 12? Or eighteen, I guess twelve is not really normal.
1: Yeah, on the What are you like,
0: nineteen-year-old <laughs> frat guy from U of I, ISU, Western? He, he looked like an Eastern guy to me. Anyways, that's my story about the big blind protection. Also, yeah, wow. that, also, that was, uh, also protect your. Um, you just protect your rights as a poker player, and no, sometimes like anything. Sometimes the 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 rules are in your favor, and other times the rules are, are not in your favor. And you just got to take the good with the bad. I think this is a take the good with the bad in the run good series idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the long run, it's just always going to even out.
0: That's supposedly I mean, you, you what you happens know. with variants. If you play long enough, it'll I mean, happen.
1: No, I mean, obviously... You know, my argument to that is, well, when I'm playing a 10K PLO and it happens to me, it's much more, you know, it hurts a lot it more than when I'm playing a $20 early bird. And, right. But that's still just like it happened once. It's the same. It didn't happen once, so it balances the out. Cards... It's like winning races. It's like, oh, everyone's right. winning races at 50-50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you're at the final table, the main event, and you go three for three and win all three races, and then you lose three races in an early bird in a row, and that evens you out. Obviously, the three winning... You at, came oh, out maybe. way ahead because you got your right. three
0: winners during the WSOP main event, <laughs> right, and you got right, your three right. losers in early bird and second chance, you know, 20, forty $60 tournaments. Right. You know, it is what it is. I mean, like you said, I played in that tournament on Sunday, the PLO Extravaganza, which was fun. I'm still not a big fan of Big O, although I, like, I liked playing Big O because I feel like the Omaha progression of the... the the knowledge of players. And we've talked about this before. When you go from no limit to PLO, the gap of what player knowledge is, is much uh, bigger in PLO, meaning it's uh, the players aren't as good. And then when you get down to like high, low, low, that gets even a wider gap, meaning there's more room to like be able to navigate games. And like players are playing very bad, making bad mistakes, thinking they're good, you know, they're good moves. And when you go to big, Oh, it like, it's just exponentially. Yeah, worse. The
1: edge is just wider. in
0: those, the, ad, games, yeah, I was try- there's, more
1: there's more variables. There's more cards.
0: Well, there's and flip pot game and the game's not as broken, meaning like players don't know the right moves where I feel like, solved. Yeah, solved. yeah, like there's, you know, charts that people are looking at when they're in the big blind and they have this and then this happens and they're facing this kind of bet on this type of player that they have a very like, if they're studied type, like there's a lot more players like that than like PLO. It's like, ah, fuck it, I got a feeling. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: know. there's just the, the, you know, the combination of hands and, you know, all, all the different situations is obviously way different when you start adding more cards and stuff. With only two cards, I mean, there's one. 170-something hands,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I mean, everybody can have ranges for the button and the small button and the big blind and hold them when it's like, oh, my hold them under the gun range is literally nine hands. Like, you know, you can highlight the nine hands on a chart and memorize those pretty easy. Right. You're under the gun open in a PLO game. It's like, it's pretty hard to be. Oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's 18%. It's like, all right, well, what is, what hands are in the 17th percentile and what hands are in the 20th percentile? Right with like you know king jack two three double suit is that in there or not like and maybe that's not in there but nine eight seven four double is and it's like can't just go by you know kings beat queens and queens beat jacks and you know the way down king highs beat queen highs and that kind of stuff there's just so many more variables that then there's so many more weaknesses in people's games and it's That's allowed, why I love, love PLO, and when you move That's that into PLO
0: high-low, it gets even wider range of uh, the, the, the... Yeah, there's the, just
1: way more mistakes to be made. Yeah, glaring, glaring things that seem... And don't get me wrong, when it comes to PLO, that are really bad.
0: I feel like I have a lot better understanding of the game and kind of where I should be and shouldn't be, whereas if I throw in the high-low factor, I feel like I make a lot of mistakes that I would normally not make in regular PLO, and then you throw in an extra card and call it big O, and then I'm thinking, this is Way different. I have no idea what good starting hands are. I think this looks good. I got like five cards under eight. That means I gotta be able to make a low, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was awesome, but all my runouts like were really good in the sixty dollar tournament. Like I ran really good. Like if I needed to hit a club, I hit a club. If I needed to hit a red eight, I hit a red eight, and I ended up getting third in the tournament. And that was the last time my run good stopped because uh, I need I needed to hit a club draw. Or a spade draw, whatever it was, or a jack, and I didn't get either one of them. And that's fine. I busted third. I chopped the last outs. I was very happy. It was like a $400 winner on a $60 entry. I'm like, this is money. Then as the poker gods just keep coming, they're like, oh, we're going to start a 1-2 PLO game. And I was just like, ah, this day is just getting better. So then I go sit down with my free $400, which is really only costing me $60. Right, Brandon? We don't count that as winners. It's just nope. moving the table somewhere else. And my run good in the $60 tournament that afforded me to get into this PLO game, which could actually make a dent in some poker bankrolls, guess what happened then? I couldn't what happened? I couldn't dodge anything. I was like a fat kid at dodgeball, just just getting wrecked. I couldn't dodge anything. Wrenches. Buckets, balls, nothing. I just kept hitting in the face every second. I literally kept saying to the dealer, don't pair the board. Pairs the board. Don't, no heart. Heart. Anything but a seven. Boom, seven. Oh, wait, a seven of spades would be cool. And then he would just pair the board in the end with that seven that I just requested the hand before. I couldn't get anything. Every time I got, I turned, it was like the complete reversal of roles. I had turned so many nut hands that ended up being losers because I couldn't get anybody to fold. And, that's just poker. It happens and sometimes you win those races and sometimes you don't. And when you do, that's great. And when you don't, the world's awful and sad.
1: Yeah, that's quite a rant to get onto PLO cash games mm-hmm. from a uh, no limit hold 'em tournament rule.
0: That <laughs> big blind protection. Yeah.
1: Yeah, big blind protection, and you end up in sixty dollar tournaments and PLO cash games. But hey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how we roll here at the overlay. Well, anyways, thank you for listening to the overlay. Uh, We are up over like 35,000 downloads, which is just fucking crazy to me. Uh, so thank you so much to everyone who listens. Make sure you share uh, us with one of your poker friends. If you're in the Chicagoland area, come check out Brandon or myself at CCG Poker pretty much anytime a CCG event is going on. You are bound to round uh, run into one of us. Uh, we'll be at the WSOP in Elgin. Maybe I'll have some cool overlay swag. So if you're listening to this now at the end of September, beginning of October, hit up Brandon and I uh, either through Twitter or at a CCG event and uh we'll get you some stickers or some patches or some shirts i think we're gonna do some fun stuff because we've got what wsop in elgin and then like uh mspt coming to ameristar or something isn't that happening
1: um horseshoe first october 5th oh there you go horseshoe next week or two weeks from now oh shit
0: all right i better get on my ass to get some t-shirts damn okay hey sorry remind me to get some extra t-shirts for the overlay
1: yeah, starts uh, assuming this episode's coming out on Thursday the twenty eighth. Yep, October fifth, one week from today. Holy starts.
0: shit, that'll be awesome! All right, cool. We'll see you at the WSOP at the horseshoe. Bye, everybody.
1: Farewell.